You are listening to Best Life After Cancer, Episode 17. Welcome to Best Life After Cancer. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where cancer survivors and caregivers can get solutions and support to overcome the life challenges brought by their cancer diagnosis. If you are ready to release your fear, regain your joy, and reduce your risk, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Butzbach. Hey, my best lifers, and welcome back. We are spending this month focusing on living well, whether it is during treatment, right after, or five years down the road. We can work every day on living our best lives right where we are in the moment. The housekeeping first. As always, I am a doctor, but not your doctor. So especially when we are talking about what to do with your body and your health, please use common sense and run any recommendations by your primary team. Secondly, I am trying to get to 100 reviews on Apple iTunes by Christmas. So if you would give me an early Christmas present and write a review, that would be wonderful. It helps people to find the podcast, and I really want it to be out there for the people who need it. Finally, I have changed the website, and the show notes are now available on the blog section. There you can find show notes for different episodes, and also the Facebook Lives that I do intermittently. All right, guys, let's get to work. I am writing this on Labor Day while I'm on call. I have a patient that needs to be emergently started on radiation today, so I am in my department. The process to get a patient started on treatment is not quick. While I wait for things like the patient to be transported from the floor and other parts of the team to do their job to start a treatment, I am making the best of spending most of my Labor Day by creating something for the world. I could just sit here in the hospital on my phone playing a mindless game or complaining about call to the doctor's group on Facebook. But that does not help me live well today. Resisting where I am or wallowing in self-pity makes it take longer and feel worse. Doing something useful makes me feel a little bit better about not being outside with my husband and kids. It's all in how we think about where we are, right? I am choosing to think the time is well used, both for the patient and for me personally. This week I'm doing a challenge on the Best Life After Cancer MD Facebook group for survivors and caregivers. I am going to go live every day this month and tell you one thing that I am doing to live my best life, and then I'd love for you to share what you accomplished that day. It will motivate all of us by seeing how other people are living their best lives, addressing their issues, and improving their health. Please join me. Last week, we talked about living well by improving sex after cancer. Today, we are going to talk about how to live well by working on moving our bodies in a helpful way to reduce pain, increase stamina and energy, and regain strength. There are two parts to this, which are our thoughts about how our body feels and our actions to try and maximize how it feels. I want to run through a quick scenario with you. If you either have pain or fatigue from treatment, the fact is that you have a feeling in your body that is not pleasant. If you have a thought of this will never get better or this may be my new norm, that often leads to a feeling of hopelessness. Hopelessness is a feeling that does not drive positive action because it believes that there is no available action that will improve the situation. By definition, hopeless is without hope. Without a belief that things can change or improve, hopeless drives lying in bed, your brain wallowing in a state of finding all the evidence that it will not get better, not searching for help, not following up on things that are suggested by the team like PT or a fitness program. 
First and foremost, if your body is tired or in pain, we have to look at what thought we are trying to use to drive improvement. We have to be in a place with a thought and feeling that can drive useful action. Why? Because we are more resourceful, harder working, and more patient if we are coming at this from a more positive place. From my standpoint, a better thought is, I don't feel great now, but I know this can get better with time and work. This gives a feeling of hopeful. It leads to actions like being motivated and willing to work. It allows one to search out options for improvement, like speaking with their team and following up on their suggestions. It does not waste time with indulgent emotions that don't move us forward. If you are in a place with a thought that is useful, awesome, let's move on. If you are not, I suggest spending a few days writing about your thoughts and seeing what they are and what they are creating. See if you can find a believable thought that can spur useful action. And then come back and listen to the rest of this. If you can't get there on your own, I have openings right now in my one-on-one coaching program. Reach out for a discovery session. Okay, once we are in a place with thoughts that lead to useful action, we can move forward. Awesome. Now we need to decide what useful action do we want to be taking to feel better physically. First, if there is pain, that needs to be addressed. Your useful action is to speak with your team, describe the problem, and see what they suggest. It may be physical therapy. This is also true if there is tightness, lymphedema, or overall weakness. Physical therapy is very effective at improving mobility of joints, which can really help with discomfort. It is also useful in reducing lymphedema, which is swelling that happens after lymph node surgery or radiation. At the end of this podcast, I will spend five minutes talking about lymphedema, but as it is not applicable to everyone, I will hold that for the end. PT can also help with muscle weakness that makes moving your body much harder. Other useful ways in your arsenal to reduce pain include massage. This can help loosen up tight areas and let you move more comfortably. If the pain is more significant, a pain management consult to discuss nerve blocks or trigger point injections may be appropriate. Again, speak with your team. But let's figure out the pain first and foremost. An exercise plan is likely not something you can stick to if there is significant pain hindering you. Some thoughts I like that help move people along at this phase are, it's worth the time and effort to help my body function as normally as possible, or this may be inconvenient, but it is what will let me do more of what I want down the road. Be patient, go through what they recommend first, even if you don't think it's going to be helpful after the first visit. These things take time. Once pain, range of motion, and lymphedema are improved, then we get to address overall weakness and fatigue. I mentioned this briefly in the podcast on exercise, but I feel like it got lost in all the other information. Many, if not most, patients are less active than usual during their cancer treatment. This may be due to less time for exercise, not feeling well enough to do it, and more. When you don't exercise for a period of time, you become deconditioned, which means you lose stamina and muscle strength. This leads to more fatigue and a feeling of just being weaker. It may make it harder to walk distances, run, bike, walk up the stairs, and so on. Clearly, if you don't get back to your baseline degree of physical fitness after treatment, you will not feel as good as you did before. Meaning, if you were walking a mile a day, and now you're not, you won't feel as good as you did until you get back to that level. Not just walking the same amount of time, but walking the same distance in that same time. It is challenging to rebuild your fitness. Definitely, talk to your team and see if they have any restrictions about exercise. If they say you are good to go, see if they have a cancer fitness program to help build your strength back up. Start slowly and work your way up. It is common to feel more tired the first week back at exercising. This is normal. 
Usually after the first week, the fatigue gets a little bit better. I think starting with two to three days a week is good. One is too few to build much momentum. Four to five may lead to a degree of pain or fatigue that you don't stick with it because you are too sore or too exhausted. I guess what I am saying is be realistic. Too often we decide to do it and decide to start back immediately doing what we did a year ago. We push through and do so much that the next day our muscles are killing us and we can't do anything for a week. I can't be the only one who does this, right? When you haven't lifted or run in six months and then you decide to, the next day you can barely sit down on the toilet seat. If you have never done that to your body, congratulations. If you have, you know exactly what I mean. When we do the too much, too little, too much, too little cycle, it is really hard to get any consistency and forward momentum. I saw a quote this week from Ricky Rogers. Strength doesn't come from what you can do. It comes from overcoming things you once thought you couldn't. This is so true, both physically and mentally, of the journey to fitness after cancer. And a quote from me this week. The work you do today determines who you will be tomorrow. Also true in terms of our mental well-being and our physical fitness. When we exercise in a recreational way, the benefits are numerous. In the short term, it reduces depression and stabilizes mood. Over the long term, it improves energy, increases lean muscle, which increases metabolism, reduces risk of heart attack, diabetes, stroke, high blood pressure, and cancer recurrence. It reduces stress. It can help with sleep, which also helps with improving fatigue. It can improve sexual health, both from improving how you think you look to improving desire and arousal with regular exercise. It can be a social outlet or relaxing after a stressful day. The type of exercise is up to you. The optimal goal is 150 minutes of mild to moderate exercise per week. Anything you enjoy is going to be easier to keep up. I most often recommend walking outdoors. It is easy, free, and available to most people. The fresh air helps with better sleep and may improve your immunity. It is not hard on the joints like running is. Spending time in nature has been shown time and again to reduce stress hormones, which is likely very good after a cancer diagnosis. But it can be water aerobics, reasonable weight training, biking, vigorous dancing like Zumba or salsa, swimming, or more. How to start this is the challenge. Once you get going, you will find that actually doing it gets easier. At the start, we have to use the planning part of our brain, or the prefrontal cortex, as much as possible. The newer part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, is the part that can do hard things that we don't love for the greater benefit later. The older part of our brain is more instinctual. It is the part that in the minute says, nah, that sounds hard and uncomfortable. Let's sit on the couch, eat chips, and watch Game of Thrones again. Mm, Game of Thrones with a bag of Cheetos and a beer. Just saying it perks up that part of my brain, and now it's saying, sure, sounds good, let's go. More fun than typing a podcast. But seriously, you need to do everything you can with your prefrontal cortex. Decide ahead what days and times you will work out. Set your clothes and shoes out. Maybe even get an insulated water bottle and fill it with ice for morning or after work. Minimize the amount of decisions you have to make in the moment. Already know and have set up what video or exercise plan. Have it all ready. Set a timer and a second reminder, maybe two. You know who you are. Then when the timer goes off or the alarm rings in the morning, just decide to get the clothes on. Then decide to fill the water bottle. Then decide to put the shoes on. Walk to where you are exercising or get in the car. One baby step at a time. 
Our primitive brain also has less argument when we don't think about everything we have to do to exercise, but think, oh, I just have to get dressed. The primitive brain doesn't see having to get dressed as a huge issue. So take it one baby step at a time. When your primitive brain starts fussing, remind it that you decided you were going to do this for yourself and you keep your promises to yourself just like you would to your best friend. Remind it how good you feel once exercise is done. Paradoxically, once you get going, the primitive brain may want to do more. Do what you always did. It will say, I can do it. Let's just keep pushing. The planning brain needs to be the adult here too. Nope, we plan 25 minutes, not too much for the first day. And that is what we are doing. You get one day under your belt. Take a few minutes to notice how you feel. If you feel sore or if you feel good. If you feel proud of your accomplishment, bask in that glow a bit. If you are sore, assess. Is it good sore or is it too sore? If it is more soreness than feels good, take care of yourself. A hot bath with Epsom salts. A rub down with a sore muscle cream. Motrin if you are able to safely use that. Ice if something hurts in an unusual way. Rest the following day. Loving your body when it is sore helps not to get into the cycle of one day on and then quit for three months. Let your primitive brain know it can trust you to help it through if it is uncomfortable afterwards. Quote I love that multiple people have been credited for is that some give up due to slow progress, never grasping the fact that slow progress is progress. It is okay if it takes time. It is okay if it is challenging. The goal is to keep working at it. But what if you don't do what you had decided to do? Well, that is up to you. I find it a bit of balancing on a knife's edge. You don't want to just give yourself a pass or else you will never build up the strength to do these hard things. But you also cannot hate yourself into doing anything in life. If you beat yourself up, tell yourself you never keep your word, you use it as more evidence that you are useless, broken, unreliable, or whatever other mean things you are telling yourself in your head, this is not useful. It certainly is not how you would treat your best friend, toddler, or grandchild, likely. Instead, you can try to understand where the process broke down. Write down what worked, what didn't work, and what would have worked better. Then try again the next day. Was it that you turned off the alarm and didn't get up? Move the alarm and work on just thinking, I'm going to get up and turn off the alarm. Once you're up, then decide to get your workout clothes on. Was it that you stayed late at work and ran out of time? Assess how you could have managed your day better. This can be a reason to hate on yourself, or it can be a time to love yourself and see how you can support yourself better. I guarantee you will get more results with loving yourself healthy than hating yourself healthy. As I mentioned, I posted a challenge on the Best Life After Cancer Survivors Group. I will go live every day for the rest of this month and tell you what I did to live well. I'll tell you the struggles where I want to hate on myself, but don't. I'll tell you the places where I had challenges trying to do what I had planned. We will make positive changes by being accountable together. At this point, that's what I have to tell you for today, but I do want to spend a few minutes before we finish and talk about lymphedema. First, what is it? Lymph nodes circulate a whitish fluid through our lymphatic system. A simplified explanation of the system is that it traps bacteria, waste, and damaged cells and triggers our immune system to fight off disease. Cancer cells moving from where they started to elsewhere in the body can get caught in lymph nodes as well, which is why lymph nodes are removed during many cancer surgeries. Lymphedema is when fluid collects in the extremity 
or less commonly in the breast or torso after lymph node surgery. It is most commonly seen after a node dissection in the underarm, most commonly for breast cancer, but occasionally from other surgery like a lymph node dissection for melanoma. It can also be seen with lymph node dissections in the groin area for some cancers. The risk is increased by the number of nodes removed, number of nodes with cancer in them, use of radiation to the nodes after surgery, and obesity. So many people think that physical therapy for lymphedema is only for people who have lymphedema, but I think it is really important to get an evaluation prophylactically if you are at high risk for lymphedema. In patients with an extensive lymph node dissection for breast cancer, or with some lymph nodes removed and radiation to the breast or chest wall and lymph nodes, the risk can be higher, and I personally have my patients evaluated up front. They get baseline arm measurements, learn massage techniques, and discuss the need for a sleeve. For many of my patients, I do recommend a sleeve for flying, even if they are completely asymptomatic. It is also an opportunity for patients to be educated about lymphedema and its prevention. Your team should discuss with you the specifics, but overall, we want to avoid injuries in the arm on the side of a lymph node dissection. A few things that sneak up on patients that I like to point out are injury during gardening, think thorns and bee stings, and burns from the oven. Gardening gloves and oven mitts, my friends, use them. If you think the arm is developing swelling or is red or warm, definitely speak to your team sooner rather than later. Treatment for lymphedema is more effective early and treating infection quickly is quite helpful as well. All right, my friends, that is it for today. Join me for the Living Well Challenge in the Survivors Group on my Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD. Please, please leave a review. I will love you forever. Tune in next week to hear the story of an awesome survivor of an inflammatory breast cancer. I hope you guys have a great week and I'll speak with you soon. Thanks for listening to Best Life After Cancer. Did you know you can get more information on my website, bestlifeaftercancer.com? There is also a Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD, where there is a group just for survivors. Here you are able to interact with me, ask questions, and get more help. I'd love to see you there. Have a great week, and I'll speak with you soon.